Hello and welcome to another episode of Canadian's Time. I'm D.F. Pendries, your host. So, it's only been a few hours now since uh, the Shea Weber trade has been announced. Obviously, Canadian's fans are reacting to it. A lot of mixed reactions. But uh, certainly, it's sort of tough to both deal with the fact that everyone knew this was kind of coming, but still, now that it's happened, it's sort of uh, sort of rough to be faced with the reality of it. Um, of course, coming back Montreal's way is Evgeny Dodonov. He uh, last season played 78 games with the Vegas Golden Knights, recording 43 points, 20 goals. 23 assists. He has a one-year contract, so whereas Weber had four years, so it gives the Canadians some flexibility. I'm not going to get into the intricacies of the whole contract situation. If you are into that, I urge you to go seek out one of the expert articles because they will get it right and I will get it wrong. So, um, so that's that. Obviously, a lot is now leading people to wonder who will be the next captain. There's, of course, the there's sort of two schools of thought. There is the make Nick Suzuki the captain, and also the sort of like name somebody like Joel Edmondson, Brendan Gallagher, someone like that captain, and then eventually make Nick Suzuki captain. Personally, I originally was in the sort of make Edmondson or Gallagher captain camp, but then it occurred to me that that just isn't doesn't make as much sense as just going to your future captain and just sticking with them because you know they're going to be there for the next, you know, Suzuki's got a very long contract. And you just know you've just got continuity, and that can just start building there. So I think if they're going to name a new captain, they should name somebody who's already going to be in the organization for a long time and not name somebody that they don't know how long they're going to be there and sort of just have this sort of placeholder captain. It, it just doesn't make sense. So I got turned around on that one. Um, so that's that. So we'll wait with anticipation to find out who the new captain is. Meanwhile, I, last week I talked about the Canadians hiring Marie-Philippe Poulin. So, several of the um, other better podcasts out there have talked about this hiring. Um, Ian Bavere of The Build talked about it and called it an unquestionable win for the organization. You have to agree there. But he had a very interesting uh, take on it, and um, which I'm going to summarize, in that um, he said that the main benefactor of the decision to hire her was not Poulin, but that it was a great day for the Canadians, and that the Canadians were not really amplifying her, but that they didn't just hire her they hired one of the greatest women hockey players to ever live correct and it's going to matter to young people coming in and seeing that and it's going to matter to people in the 
organization coming through and they're going to see that the Canadians have extraordinary people and and a quote of his was it should be unquestionable that they have the greatest people in charge of the organization and his point in the org in his um, on his podcast was that that wasn't the case before and so that can if as if that is the um, uh, if that is sort of the culture that is being shown to people that enter the organization that can lead to good things and I I really found that take interesting and I really think it's a, a very good one and um, so I wanted to give that a shout out here on and on my meager pod because I thought that was just a very very interesting take and um, also speaking of pods so over on the happy hour um, Beth had pointed out that just the idea of Poulin and Cole Caulfield working together on development, and I'm thinking, wow, that that is a that is a thought. Like just the idea of Cole learning from her is, I mean, I I can't even imagine what she might be able to teach him, and what we might be able to see from that. So that was a really good point on her part. So. Moving on from that hiring, the Laval Rocket, unfortunately, are no longer in the playoffs. They lost Game 7 last night, as I'm recording this, up in Springfield. It was a lopsided game. Springfield won that one 4 to nothing. I was up there for that game. It was just a, it was a really rough game to see that... Uh, uh, Laval just really could not get anything going. Uh, Springfield's Charlie Lindgren really was stopping whatever they threw at him, and also they had some golden opportunities they were not able to cash in on. And in the meantime, Caden Promo was bailing them out a lot, but they still gave up opportunity after opportunity, and he couldn't he couldn't save them forever. And so that ultimately was the sort of the the result. If you want sort of a more detailed breakdown, you should uh, look on Habs Eyes on the Prize, where Scott Matla does the whole recap. And um, speaking of him, over on his podcast, Locked On Canadians, episode six thirty eight, he talked about the results but he also said that um, and I'm paraphrasing that despite the loss that the building blocks are all there for the team to continue to progress and so there is plenty of hope there and I mean when you think about it there's certainly true I mean there's so many highly touted prospects floated around and the and the rocket you know, lost in this series with two prospects of theirs sitting on the bench. So it's, or not sitting on the bench, but scratched actually. Um, and we have more coming in. So it's, there's a lot of hope there to see where the rocket can go. And speaking of prospects, the Memorial Cup 
is coming up June 20th to the 29th for the juniors and the Hamilton Bulldogs and the Edmonton Oil Kings made it all the way to the Memorial Cup and of course Hamilton has Armour Jack Eyes and Jack Eye and Jan Vichak in it, in it and the Oil Kings have Caden Gooley so they have the Montreal prospects still making it into the Memorial Cup so there's going to be them them in action as they continue on and this uh, led to some discussion of those players who have been uh, on the radar screen of uh, the you know commentators so much and uh, looking to another another segment of Locked On Canadians 638 they talked about that those players in the Memorial Cup and talking about Jack Eye um, Matla said he uh, he's mean he fights loves to throw physical hits sometimes when he shouldn't but he scores really nice goals from time to time and I'm just sort of combining some quotes there but he had a concern in that if He's, cons he's concerned that if he doesn't want uh, Jack Eye to think that he has to fight to keep a lineup place um, and hoping that he doesn't get that impression because he has offensive talent. And he certainly does. He scores a lot of goals. So so that's, that's a concern that Matla brought up. As for Meshach, um, both... Russ Cohen of the uh, Locked on Flyers podcast who was doing a crossover and Matlas spoke highly of him as well and then they uh, talked about Gooley and uh, Laura Saba mentioned that uh, in her eyes he's the top prospect currently in the system who hasn't made the team yet um, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, where he ends up and according to Russ Cohen, his projection is that Gooley will challenge to be a number two defenseman and maybe even a number one. And Matla believes he's a very smart player. So that's sort of some more expert opinions rather than me trying to break down players, which it's just you don't want me doing that. But staying in juniors, there was a great piece that came out uh, by... Uh, Hattie Kalakesh, um, who took some of the players who were no longer in the playoffs in the uh, QMJHL, and he gave them final grades. And I'm not going to tell you the grades, and I'm not going to give you a lot of the detail because I want you to read the piece. Because what I do on here is I give you little pieces, and then I put it in the show notes, and I urge you to go read what people are what people are writing because that's that's the whole point you know if i'm if i'm giving you what they're writing here it's not not really going to work so but i did have a little little bit little bits and pieces of what um what was said and just uh just that i'll share with you and uh this in this case it was the joshua wah riley kidney xavier simono and William Trudeau, all who had very good seasons. And for Wah, who has been just, uh, who 
recently made it all the way to Laval. Um, he was the QMJHL regular season scoring leader with 119 points. He also had eight goals and 15 assists in 11 postseason games. And uh, in Kalakesh's opinion, Wa's adaptability will help him greatly in climbing the echelons of pro hockey. And that's just one sentence out of a very detailed scouting report. So I really urge you to have a look at that. And Kidney was his team's second best player. He excelled in the face-off circle and made strong reads in all three zones to drive pucks towards the opponent's end. And again, once again, that's just a sentence out of a very detailed scouting report. Simono had a league-leading 17 assists in 14 playoff games. And, um, but he was noted that he takes um, avoidable penalties in Kalakesh's eyes. And, but he's found that outside of a lack of discipline, there really isn't much to criticize in his game. And as for Trudeau, in the regular season, he scored eight goals and added 36 assists for 44 points in 68 games, but he took a major, major step on both sides of the puck throughout the postseason. So that's just, um, just a bit rundown on the prospects that the Habs hope to have at their disposal. Moving back to the pro game, out of sort of out of nowhere, Otto Leskinen was re-signed. And the this the reaction to this was interesting. And back on Locked On Canadians, uh, Laura Saba found that she saw this as a uh, a sign that some AHL players were going to be moving up to the NHL team and they needed to find somebody to fill in some roster spot on the Rocket. Um, Scott Matliff also saw him as a potential insurance player for the NHL bottom pair, but also uh, given all the prospects floating around in the defense, and there's a ton of defenders who are very young, he found that Leskinen could be a more veteran presence in the AHL. And just speaking of that podcast, won't go into what they said, but just Locked On Canadian 636 talked about Shane Wright and Logan Cooley, as well as Simon Nemec and David Juracek on the eve of the draft. And there's been so much draft talk, just not going to drop into the draft talk right now. It just you want to read more about the draft or hear more about the draft, check out that episode because it had had uh, Russ Cohen and Rachel Donner on from Locked On Flyers, and they talked about all of that. Some quick hits before I disappear into the night. The uh, Over on the happy hour, David O.J. mentioned that training camp will be critically important this year, and I I don't think that's an understatement. I mean, there's just with so many players that are looked at as potential prospects and coming up and the sort of the amount of players who sort of 
certainly been showing potential from the AHL who maybe are looking to finally solidify their NHL spot. And the question of, say they draft Shane Wright, well, you know, what, what will they, you know, will he just slot right into the 2C spot behind Suzuki? And, and of course, what if they don't draft Shane Wright, then what happens? And so it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting to see what players really stand out, as well as the question of what are those players that you're going to be using, you know, in those in those games they have to they can play before you have to send them down again. So it's it's going to be a critical time, and this is going to be Martin Saint Louis, you know, first training camp so he gets to set that that culture from the start of the season so it's that's it seems obvious and it 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 is kind of intuitive but it's yeah it's going to be very very important also also the heavy hour pointed out um thanks to thanks to beth on this one who um is right on almost everything that there was talk, rumor about PK Subban returning to the Habs, but um, she pointed out that Brendan Gallagher is not getting along with Subban, so that might be a very unlikely result. So that's just to keep in the back of your minds as that talk goes on. Also, it came up that uh, after he did an interview, um, Brett Kulak had mentioned that he was open to returning to the Montreal Canadiens, and so that ignited some talk. And uh, Ian of the Build had mentioned that it might be it'd be great to have him back, and that he's a solid defenseman. And that's uh, it's it's I don't know if it's going to fit. I mean, they got plenty of defense defensemen, but it he certainly would be a cheap player to bring on as a veteran and I know that because I asked the question of locked on Canadians and Scott and Ian told me so so <laughs> the um, that it might be uh, a useful player but it might also not fit into the long-term plans of Kent Hughes and, and Gordon there and then of course the Josh Anderson saga is going on, you know. Uh, Hughes is saying, you know, well, we we don't want to trade him, but you know, if somebody brings us a deal, we'll hear we'll hear it. And all the, I mean, if you if you read the articles floating around or you watch Twitter, every every possible trade is coming up that involved Josh Anderson. He'll get traded for a horse. I mean, anything. It's just, it's just, just wild. But it, it, one of the things that I did hear an interesting scenario that Ian of the Build brought up was he was he was sort of trying to put some reality back into the discussion and talking about does he fit in with the teams the team's cup window which probably won't open until a few years from now as they rebuild 
but um, he he wondered if the Rangers might be a good target because um, Gorton came from the Rangers, so he knows a lot of the organization. And of course, Capo Caco's status is really up in the air with the Rangers, given how that season ended, and that if the Rangers thought they were a piece away, they might consider you know paying a lot for Anderson so just some really solid thoughts from Ian on that front and I don't know if the Rangers would do that but it's a it's a it's good speculation as anything and it has it's based in some logic on unlike just some of the other things that we're seeing out there so I'd be fascinated to see if the um, Canadians made a deal with the um Rangers on that thing. Uh, of course, on the other hand, the Rangers might sense, sense that Gorton knows them and want nothing to do with him. So that's that's the other side to it. Okay, I've talked a lot. Thanks for listening. Have a good night.